This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com fool and use the promo code fool at checkout. Support for Motley Fool Answers also comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life, and that's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so that you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. Well, hello. Allison. In this week's episode, Bro is going to list seven things that you can do in under 15 minutes to be wealthier in 2018 and beyond. We're also going to talk about the market's performance last year and pull out a crystal ball for you so you can learn what to expect this year. Right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> yes, generally speaking, that sounds good. All right. All that and more on this week's episode of Molly Full Answers. Normally, this is the point in the show where I would say, it's time for Answers Answers, but not anymore. Well, we're changing things up in 2018. Instead of kicking off the show with listener questions, we're going to talk about breaking news or something else interesting that we learned this week. Don't worry, we'll still answer your questions. It's just that we're going to do it once a month in a mailbag episode. Um, Any objections out there? No? Chirp, chirp, chirp. Okay. So, we don't have a name for this segment. Feel free to send us your ideas because naming things is hard. Bro, what do you want to talk about this week? Well, I figured since uh, we just concluded 2017 and we are kicking off 2018, I'll talk a little bit about the year that was and what I've read about when it comes to what people expect for 2018. So, 2017, great year to be an investor. S&P 500 was up 22%. Not only is that twice, more than twice, the historical average, it made history by being, it was the first year ever that the S&P 500 made money in each and every month. Wow. There were a handful of years previously where it made money in 11 months, but this is the first time it made it each and every month. So, great year. Easy year to be an investor. As for other types of investments, small caps didn't do quite as well. They earned about 16%, but still pretty good. That's not bad. International stocks as a group, though, did even better. They did 27%, and if you look at emerging markets, they earned well above 30%. So, diversifying internationally definitely paid off this year. When you look at the bond market, of course, bonds don't do as well, but they still made overall, the overall bond market made 3.5%, which I think is pretty good given that our expectations for bonds are low. As I've said before, I think you can expect maybe 1, 1.5% above cash. They definitely did that. And interest rates did go up, uh, especially on the shorter range, shorter term bonds. So, to make 3.5% on bonds in a year when interest rates go up, I think that's pretty good. Now, I feel like ever since we started this show, you've been um, saying, of course, the market goes up on average about 10%, but I, you know, for the next few years, I think you need to expect more conservative results. Not right. this year. Not this year. <laughs> no. Not this year. And, and so, as well, I'll talk about it a little later. What I like to do at the beginning of every year is look at people's predictions and expectations, mm-hmm. both for stocks, bonds, as well as just general economic stuff. I, I, nobody expected that I read a year ago, 22%. I'm not personally attacking market. you. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, in case you're curious, the best performing five stocks in the S&P 500, best performer, NRG, 
Energy, <laughs> that's the name of the company, okay. earned 132%, then followed by Align Technology, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Wind Resorts, and Boeing, which made 89% last year. Wow. But despite the fact that it was a good year, 28 stocks in the S&P 500 lost more than 20%, led by range resources losing 50%, Under Armour, which I know that's tough for a lot of that's, Motley Fool yeah, investors. Yeah, Motley Fool investors have that. Yeah, followed by Scana, Envision, Healthcore, and GE lost 45%. Last wow. year, so it just goes to show that even in a great year for overall investing, you're probably going to have some stocks or other types of investments that didn't do quite as well as the overall market. So uh, the other thing about this last year, besides the fact that we made money each and every month, we're now on the second longest streak of not having a five percent drop. So last time there was a five percent drop in the market was back in June of 2016. Uh, the longest streak, the current streak now is 554 days. The longest streak is 593 days, which happened in the 50s. Wow. So that gives you an idea of how easy it's been to be an overall investor. Um, so um, a lot of people are talking about now, well, okay, how long can this go on? It is the second longest bull market in history. People have been saying that for the last 10 years. How long can this go on? <laughs> exactly. Um, one interesting thing I found that was pointed out by um, the Capital Group, which runs American Funds, one of the biggest mutual fund families, is that um, a lot of bull markets are usually tied to some sort of economic expansion. Everyone pretty much knows that. And the expansions, on average, last 60 months. This current one has lasted 100 months. So people think, well, that's a long expansion. But it's been a weaker Expansion. They pointed out that the average average expansion goes on, grows. The economy grows about 123 percent. Right now, we're at only 115 percent. So while it's been a long bull market and a long expansion, it doesn't necessarily hasn't been the highest or fastest growing. So that's one way to say that while it's been going on for a long time, it could have room to run. And so while looking to 2018, when I read tons of various companies and experts' projections for 2018, most people expect for it to continue. Mm. Um, things are just looking pretty good. We all know about the new tax law, which should benefit consumers, should benefit corporations. Um, something like, according to Vanguard, 80% of developed countries are at full employment, meaning the employment rate is very low. So it's a good, it's a good time to be out there looking for a job. It's a good time to be out there asking for a raise. In fact, that's really one of the only risks that have been highlighted by most people, and that is inflation. When you have low employment, that puts labor in the driver's seat and can ask for higher wages, which often get passed on to consumers. So inflation is one risk. And one thing uh, that I noticed a lot this year that I don't see in many previous years is geopolitical risks. And we all know that politics yeah. these days is a little crazier. Traditionally, what you will see economists and folks say is basically ignore politics when it comes to your portfolio. This year, in just about every forecast that I looked at, said basically, we just don't know. So while the economy looks pretty strong, things are looking pretty good, you just don't know. It's just a wild card. That yeah, we, it's, uh, you could expect, expect anything. You could or, expect and just, nothing. just about anything. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So but the, you can't necessarily prepare for it. Right. You can expect it, but there's not a lot you can do. Right. And, and what do you do about that? The, the same thing you always do, and that is any money you need in the next few years should be safer, cash or bonds. Otherwise, just hold on for the long term. Traditionally, on average, the market drops about 10% once a year. We haven't seen that in almost two years now, but expect that. And, and, and a lot of what I read said, 
that's normal, but because it hasn't happened in a while, people might freak out more than usual when it does happen, and you might see a little bit more panic selling. But otherwise, things are looking pretty good. Well, I've been reading something too. You know what I've been reading? What have you been reading? It's the new swag website that we have up. So a bunch of listeners have wanted a place where they could go and buy Motley Fool shirts and mugs and whatever. And so we finally made it. It's shop.fool.com. Are you excited? I'm, I'm so excited. excited. I haven't Fun seen fact. It yet, but... um, I designed one of the shirts. That's Did you really? Yeah, the one that lists all of the names of the shows. It's not a terribly original shirt, but whatever, I designed it, and you can buy it on, on the site. So yeah, it's shop.fool.com, um, so once you're done reading about what to expect in 2018, you can go there and buy a shirt or a mug, because, just because. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I also want to give a shout out to our, <laughs> our man behind the glass, because it's Rick's Fooliversary today. Yay! How many years is it? 19 or 20? 19. 18. 18. I think. So, yeah, so Rick has worked at The Fool for 18 years. He's seen a lot of ups and downs here at this company. You've had a lot of jobs at The Fool. I think I've had all of them. <laughs> because you started as what? What are some of the jobs you've had? Designer, front-end developer, uh, brands guy in the customer experience team, marketing designer, et cetera, et cetera. You re-led The Fool's efforts to redo our mission and purpose, didn't you? I did, the Purpose Brigade, and also the uh, Core Values rewrite that we did several, a couple years before that. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations. Congratulations. We're very lucky to have you. Here's to 18 more years. <laughs> <laughs> that was an exclamation of joy. I, I think. think I hear joy. I think I, I hear a little joy in there. <laughs> this episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattresses are designed by humans for humans. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And ordering is easy. Yes, Casper made ordering a mattress easy. You buy it online, it's delivered to your door in a magically compact box, and then it emerges like a genie that grants you your wish for a great night's sleep. Just ask anyone who owns a Casper and they'll tell you the truth. It's pretty awesome. And they offer a risk-free 100 day trial. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. So yeah, that's right, 100 days to try it out. And Answers listeners can get $50 off towards select mattress purchases by going to casper.com fool and then use the promo code fool. Terms and conditions apply. Today in our series to kick off the new year, we're tackling wealthier in 2018. And to get you there, Bro has seven things that you can do in under 15 minutes. Now, originally, when we talked about this episode, I was like, Bro, could you come up with maybe five things in 15 minutes? And Bro was like, no, why not seven? Because you can do one a day. One a day. And you'll be so wealthy. Oh, I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to find out exactly how. All right, so what is the first thing that people can do on day one? If they are going to tackle one a day, day one, what's the first? What's day one look like? Well, let me, let me kick it off by saying a lot of these things I thought of, things that I've actually done over the last year or the f- last few years that have helped me financially. And w- last year in particular was a big year for selling things. So number one, sell something. So we in the Brocamp family always, every year, go through our stuff, determine what we no longer need, and sell it on Craigslist. Pretty easy thing to do, um, and it works well for us. But then my wife has also started to sell books on Amazon. 
using fulfillment by Amazon, and you can use you can sell books and all kinds of things. We've made several hundred dollars doing that. And my 13-year-old daughter opened her own Etsy shop, Aww. and she's made $50 doing that. And it's remarkably easy to open an Etsy shop, selling her homemade slime and little clay charms. Um, Wait, what is her Etsy shop? We can send some business her way. You know, You've got a it's, podcast it's, here. It's Lunar Moon Creations, there we go. featuring homemade slime. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe's homemade slime. For all our listeners' slime needs. Right. But so we just got through the holidays. Chances are you got lots of stuff either you didn't want or it replaces something you no longer need. Maybe you got a new phone and so you have an old phone. You may have gotten gift cards that you no longer need. All of these things are things that can be sold. We all know about Craigslist and eBay. There are lots of sites that specialize in what you can sell, things like Declutter and Gazelle, which are good for selling technology, phones, CDs, DVDs, Cardpool and Gift Card Granny for gift cards, Poshmark for fashion, things like clothing, jewelry, handbags. So if you have a specialized thing, just use the Googles and you'll probably find a specialized site where you can sell it. All right. Day two in seven things you can do in under 15 minutes. Number two, save on food. So according to the Consumer Expenditure Survey from the Department of Labor, food is the number three item on everyone's budget. So for the average family of four, they're spending more than $11,000 on food, split roughly between at-home food and going-out food. So depending on your habits, there are all kinds of ways to save on food. So first of all, a couple of times in the past, I have done shopping comparisons for my early retirement newsletter, comparing shopping at the local grocery store, to Costco and Sam's, to buying stuff online. And almost every time, buying at like a Costco or Sam's pays off tremendously. Buying online can also pay off, depending on what you're doing. One thing that we do is that we have recurring purchases for things like paper towels and toilet paper and coffee and stuff like that. We get it cheaper, but it also shows up every time at our house so that we don't have to run out to like 7-Eleven and buy paper towels or something like that. Um, one thing that um, I think is a great idea is deciding that you're going to spend the next week or maybe even the next month just eating what you already have. Americans waste about 25% of their food, and most of that is because of food that they bought, but then it went bad because they didn't use it. So other than things like milk or stuff like that, try to use the food that you already have. And there are, there are um, sites like supercook.com where you enter whatever ingredients you have, and oh, it'll yeah. throw out some potential recipes for you. Um, another one, I think, is to keep track of what you already have and um, so that you're not doubling up on stuff. And so, for example, you could use an app like Out of Milk, which keeps track of basically an inventory of what you have, as well as a shopping list that can sync across other people in the household so you're not both out buying milk at the same time. But if you think, oh, like, do I have enough milk? You check the app and you're like, oh, okay, I have enough of this. Wait, how does it know you have it? Or well, not? you have to, up, I mean, you would take some effort to update it, but you keep a track of the things that you have. That probably makes more sense across a large family where yes. the person who finishes the last of the milk goes to the app and is like, out of milk, mom. Right. And we have a whiteboard on our refrigerator where people are supposed to write that stuff down. It doesn't always happen, mm -hmm. but generally that's one way we've been able to keep track of that. And then if you're going to use this app, then you just transfer it to the app. You look and see what's missing. Of course, there are coupons, tons of couponing sites that will help you. And then the other one is to eat out less. Or if you are eating out, find cheaper ways to do it. So getting online deals. Places like Groupon, Living Social, they're often offering deals where things are discounts. One of the gifts I got my, for my wife for Christmas 
was a date night where you got two movie tickets and a hundred dollar gift certificate to a restaurant for thirty five bucks. Oh. Or you can go to those aforementioned sites like that sell gift cards. And you can go, for example, if you're Steve Broido looking for the Olive Garden, you can buy often a gift card that's worth twenty five dollars for fifteen or twenty bucks. Very cool. All right. What is uh, day three for seven? Days of doing things in under fifteen minutes. This title is much clunkier than I intended it to be for this episode. But all right. So, and this is something that I we've mentioned two episodes ago, and that is make the most of hopefully lower taxes. Um, we talked about two episodes ago the new tax law, some of the ramifications of it, and I encourage people to invest whatever savings you have immediately. So that's really what this is about. The tricky thing is, right now, nobody really knows how it's going to play out. So, we're already going to start getting our paychecks based on our last W 4 that we filled out because nobody has the new W 4s. The IRS is supposed to release guidelines about all this and the new tax withholding tables, but they're not going to do it for another couple of weeks, which means it'll take until February for the payroll companies and everyone to process it. So really, what I think you should just do is assume you're going to get a tax cut and just save more money right now. Sign up for more savings in your 401k, your IRA, your 529, and then figure out, once the tax tables are available, how much of a tax savings you are going to get and then adjust accordingly. The great thing about if you think, okay, I'm going to get lower taxes, so I'm going to save more to my traditional 401k or IRA, just by contributing, you're also getting a tax deduction. So you're basically using a tax break to increase your tax breaks. Very nice. All right. What is the fourth thing that you can do to be wealthier in 2018 and beyond? Uh, number four is get a better credit card. So, according to NerdWallet, the average household owes almost $16,000 in credit card debt, which is up 8% from last year. Really? Yes. And we have all heard that the Federal Reserve has raised rates. Well, that has, uh, the credit card companies have taken advantage of that. And now the average APR on a card is 16.3%, an all time high. Wow. So just doing some simple math of that rate on the average card balance, you're paying almost $2,500 in interest alone on a card. So I talked about using your tax break to invest more. If you have that much credit card debt, what you should be using is a tax break to pay off that debt. But it's also a good opportunity to try to get either a lower rate card, so you're not paying as much interest, or if you are someone who pays off your balance every month, see what else is out there, see if there's a better cashback card for you, maybe better travel miles, something like that. Lots of sites make this very easy to do nowadays. I mentioned NerdWallet. And The Motley Fool has a credit card center. Just go to fool.com slash credit cards. We have an article up there, best credit cards of 2018. All kinds of lists of what you're looking for, no fee, best miles, things like that. See if there's a better, see if there's a better card out there for you. All right. Are we on day five now? Or the we're, on, fifth thing? we're on day five. What's the fifth thing? Oh, and it's so exciting. It, oh. is, it is, I mean, that's sarcastically, review your property insurance. And by that, I mean homeowners and auto insurance, which I know is just so, so boring. But, Can you really do it in under 15 minutes? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because what you want to do is you want to call who you are with now and ask, how can I get a discount? And there are all kinds of ways to get discounts. It might be that if you have an alarm system, smoke system, if you have kids at home, they have a good grade point average, if you bundle your insurance, there are all kinds of ways to get some sort of a discount. Another way is to raise your deductible. So by raising your deductible on from $500 to $1,000, you could cut your premiums by as much as 25%. Of course, that means if you have an accident, then you have to pay more out of pocket. But in my opinion, insurance is really to cover 
big ticket expenses, not for small things. Plus, every time you make a claim, they're going to raise your premiums later. So it's better to have the high deductible now and then just pay lower premiums and just bank the cash. Um, and then once you get that from your current provider, call around a little bit and see if they can match that. But because this stuff is so boring, people don't really review it every year. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're paying is probably based on old information. You may be paying, in, like for example, insurance on something that you no longer own or insurance on a house or a car that is, doesn't have the same value it used to have. So it's always good to review it once a year and see if you can save some money. Well, I like the idea that I just call someone up and I just say, help me save some money. Right. And a lot of times, too, you're going to find out you have riders that you didn't need, like you've been paying for towing coverage, even though you already belong to AAA. There's all kinds of things like that that you just review and maybe you can get rid of. All right. What about the sixth thing you can do in under 15 minutes to have a wealthier 2018? Number six, eliminate or reduce a recurring expense. We all know what these things are, right? It could be the gym, it could be cable, it could be phone, subscriptions. A lot of times these things are actually employee benefits, things you signed up like prepaid legal or some sort of extra insurance coverage or anything that's coming out of your paycheck and you just mm-hmm. kind of forgot about it. So I, I bet you that if you look at three months worth of bank statements, credit card statements, and paychecks, you're going to find something that A, you're paying for that you no longer want, or someone you can call and negotiate a better deal. We've talked before in previous episodes about cable bill this past year. I called my cable provider about slow Wi-Fi speeds. I ended up getting a faster Wi-Fi speed and a lower price before I was done with it. So give it a try. See what you can reduce or eliminate. And we do have, if you want to dig into the archives of Motley Fool Answers, we also have an episode on how to negotiate um, your bills with Olin Douglas, the Motley Fool CFO. So um, you can dig in and search for that episode to get some more tips on on wheeling and dealing, as it were. All right. Hey, what can is... I throw something in there? Yeah. Sure, please do. This is tying two of your tips together. Okay. And that is, if you are someone who pays off your credit cards, and you go shopping for a better credit card, and you sign up for the better credit card, and you start using it exclusively, then soon, all of those subscription fees that you forgot about start popping up on the old credit card, and they reveal themselves to you. <laughs> and you say, hey, I didn't know I was still paying for that. I can get rid of that now. It works really well. Or just, or you can just cancel that card, and then those things disappear. Well, that Entirely. gets a little messier, yeah. because then you start getting notices from people, and you're not paying them and stuff. Right. But this way, it just they pop up. It's like, oh, I was paying for babysitter.com? Who knew? <laughs> Were you really? Well, that was a year or two ago, but that, that happened, yeah, where I was paying like 25 bucks a month. I had <gasps> no idea. 25 bucks a month? It was one of those free trials. Yeah, you, know, you sign up for a free trial yeah. to use once, and yep. then you forget to unsign. Yeah, stuff like that pops up. So, yeah, you start eliminating. It's, I know you could just read the statements all the way through every month or whatever, but nobody does that. Yeah, it's very difficult. If you difficult. switch cards, suddenly the only thing left on that card popping up. Babysitter.com. Babysitter.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My kids are in college. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, All right. And what is the seventh and final thing that our listeners can do? And that is get a better return on your portfolio. And this could be the most powerful thing, depending on how much money you have. You have $100,000 in your account, and you can get just an extra 1% or 2%. That's $1,000 to $2,000. That said, it's easier said than done in a lot of ways. One way that you could be getting a slightly higher return is that because the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates, it is easier to get a little bit more on your cash. So a lot of us have a lot of cash sitting in our bank accounts earning nothing. It is easier these days to get one and one and a half percent going to a high yield account or maybe a short term CD. So that's worth doing, especially if you have several thousand dollars in cash. 
The other way to do it is just to look at your investments, particularly your mutual funds. It's been a particularly tough time for actively managed funds to beat index funds, so I, I don't think that you should just automatically get rid of an actively managed fund if it has underperformed over the last year or two. But if you are paying a fund, if you are if you have a fund and the expenses are one to two percent a year and it hasn't beat the market over three to five years, it might be time to reconsider that fund. And that's that's one way to save one or two percent, which falls to your bottom line. That means you'll have that money in your portfolio this year, but then you earn more on that every year. So that's really the gift that keeps on giving. What about loads? I mean, do we are mutual funds with loads even still an issue these days, or like is that something listeners should look out for? It it, it is. It, it's more likely to happen if you go to a financial advisor who works for a traditional brokerage. So you know the Edward Joneses, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, those types of folks. And a load is a front end commission usually. It can be what's called a back end load, is and that is if you sell out of that fund within a certain number of years. They're also often accompanied with insurance products like annuities. Those can be like what four or five percent, yeah. Right. Um, to the degree you can, it's almost always better to avoid that. It's difficult because that's the way some financial advisors work, and some of them are very good, and that's just the way you have to do it. And I have a situation with my sister-in-law who inherited some money, and her financial advisor charges loads, and she's very uncomfortable about investing the money because of that. And I basically told her, then you have to be comfortable doing it on your own and going to a place like Vanguard, or just accepting that that is an expense of doing business with this financial advisor, and hopefully that that financial advisor is providing enough value to compensate Above for the loan. Above and beyond, yeah. 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 All right. I know another way to improve your portfolio returns. What's that, Rick? little thing called Motley Fool Stock Advisor. (laughs) Yes, of course, Stock Advisor. So, um, for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast, um, Motley Fool has a newsletter that is uh, once a month. It's called Stock Advisor, and it offers advice on how to uh, get started investing and also what stocks. We make make recommendations on what stocks to invest in. Um, It's done. uh, Am I legally allowed to say that Stock Advisor has done really well? I think so. We say that it all sounds the time. good. Okay, it's done well. <laughs> Stop there. It does. I mean, it's got pretty good, pretty gosh darn retu- good returns. Um, I don't know if the SEC can come after me for that. I'm sorry. Can you please define gosh darn good returns for us, ma'am? <laughs> what exactly percentage wise are you talking about there? Anyway, um, so you actually, yeah. So if you do want to learn more about Stock Advisor or even subscribe to Bro's newsletter to get more Bro, his is called Rule Your Retirement. Uh, you can go to fool.com and uh, learn all about how to subscribe and get more foolishness in your life. So there you go. Seven things that you can do in under 15 minutes, just one a day. Come on, that's nothing. Everyone's got a day. In 15, 15 minutes in a day, uh, to have a wealthier 2018 and beyond. Um, and obviously, uh, we'll have more advice throughout the rest of the year on how to be wealthier. Absolutely. Because so, that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do. Support for Molly Full Answers comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Send me an email. 
a fun and smart bunch. And so today we wanted to share with you guys a letter that came in uh, and it was actually sent to Rule Breaker Investing Podcast, but we're, we're stealing it from we're them. So it. finders keepers. All right. And the letter comes from Dave with his advice on how you can go from saving nothing to 40% of your salary. That's quite remarkable. Here we go. Back in 1975, one of my instructors took a few minutes to talk about finances. He had a recommendation. He suggested that when we graduate, we take $5 out of our 625 per month that we were going to receive as second lieutenants and do so without fail or changing the amount until we were promoted to first lieutenants. He asked us how much we would have. Knowing it would take two years until we were promoted, we quickly figured 24 times $5 plus interest would be around 125 bucks. He commented that, yes, it would not be much, but the goal of the first two years was to develop the habit of saving. He then suggested that upon getting a raise, actually two raises, one for the promotion and one for two years of service, that we save half of the increase and use the rest to pay additional taxes and increase our standard of living. He pointed out that if we could make ends meet on a second lieutenant's salary in our 24th month, then we could make it during the 25th month on that amount plus half the increase. He said to do this throughout our career and we would have a sizable sum by the time we retired. It made sense to me. I did not have a career of military service, but I followed his advice with my civilian pay. And when I was about 55, my wife and I went out with another couple, and the husband asked if we had saved anything yet for retirement. Oh, wow, 55. Mm. He said that they were concerned as they had not started yet. Oh, boy. I related the story of my instructor's suggestion and said we were probably saving about 40% of my gross salary. They were shocked. The next day, I came home and my wife greeted me with music to any husband's ears. She said, you're right. I had no idea what she was speaking when I was almost afraid to ask what I was right about. And she said that when she heard my story, she thought it was quite an exaggeration to say 40%. She said she'd never added it up but did so that morning. We had some money going here and there, but she was shocked to find out it added up to 42%. She said she would have believed 30, but obviously not 40. In all my years, I have never heard of anyone else following that approach. I have suggested it numerous times, but know of no emulators. Oh, I think my youngest daughter and her husband have been close to following it. That's pretty remarkable. Bro, how much do you guys think you save? Because this is, you're right, this is remarkable. It is. It's remarkable and... I think what's also kind of cool about it is if you if you're a habitual saver and you have these multiple accounts, you're not exactly sure. And I think that's the way we're into. I'm pretty sure we save twenty percent when you add in um, the college saving that we do. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we do that. But what's what's really cool about his story though is is when it comes to retirement planning, he's going to have two benefits. First of all, to save that much, he has to learn to live on less, mm-hmm. which means he gets by with lower expenses. That means he needs less money in retirement. So he's saved a lot of money over the years, mm-hmm. but then he doesn't have to take as much out each year in retirement because they li- learn to live on less. It's sort of like the, the double benefit of saving a lot of money. And learning to just get by right. with less. I think there's also another benefit here because he talks about having a youngest daughter. Even if he probably feels that he has not passed on this 40% rule, it's, he probably has passed on generally a life of saving and being smart about your money. Right. Whether he sees it now or not, I'm sure he has by example. Right. And I'm sure I'm I'm sure he and his wife have had the the discussion of how much of that to share with the kids. Yeah. Because it's pretty impressive and it's it's there are very few people who are able to do that. So you, I'm sure they're very proud of it and they want to pass it on to their kids. Some people are uncomfortable sharing 
that much information with kids, but my guess is that they've done enough to convey the value of saving to their kids. Why do you think people have a hard time talking about even a good thing like this, even the amount of money they save with their kids? Um, I think as a percentage, I think probably people are comfortable with that. I think people are less comfortable sharing with their kids how much money they have saved because then kids have the idea that if you have that money somewhere, you can spend it. So why not get me a new car? You have this much in your 401k, or why do we not go to Are Europe? we suddenly visiting di- dinners at the bro camps? Something like that. As, as my colleagues know, that was an ongoing discussion with my son up until this Christmas, that is. But yes, so I think that's part of it. And you also want your kids to... I would not want my kids to feel like I don't have to save because... My parents have some money, and I will inherit it one day. I want them to think that they they're starting out from scratch. We'll always be there to back them up if they need it. But there's got to be a certain amount of financial independence there. Yeah, just tell them you want to be buried with your money. You want it converted <laughs> to jewels and gold, and you want to be buried in it. Yeah, and you love them dearly. <laughs> Well, um, thank you, Dave, for sharing this with um, Real Breaker Investing and not us, even though we took it. But if uh, any of our listeners have a story like this that they want to share about how they've been able to save money or learn how to invest, we would love to hear it um, so we can share it with everyone else. Um, our email is answers at fool.com. So um, you can just send it there and it'll get there to all of us. Or rbi at fool.com. <laughs> Or rbi at fool.com. Turns out we read their inbox too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when David Gardner's not looking, we sneak a peek. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's the show. So, like I said, our email is answers at fool.com. Again, if you want to get some sweet Motley Fool podcast swag, you can head to shop.fool.com. Uh, check it out. There's only like a handful of things there. I guess we'll maybe add some more things as time goes on, but at least there's something there to show off your Motley Fool pride as one of our dozens of listeners. <laughs> the show is edited faithfully by Rick Engdahl. Congratulations again on your fool anniversary. You're, mm-hmm. you're a true fool through and through. Uh, and uh, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>